0: children, dismissed to the toddler's church and the children's church. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to a somewhat familiar passage. We have been through it on Thursday nights and allude to it often here at the church, Ephesians chapter 4. And also uh, part of our theme for this coming year uh, is uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 15, and, and that is the actual text for this morning's message, but before we delve into that verse in particular, what we'd like to do is just read the entire sentence uh, that it is found in, and so we'll have to go all the way back to verse 11, chapter 4, and verse 11 is where we'll start our reading, and, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, believe it or not, that's one sentence from the Apostle Paul. Uh, In modern English, that would be a paragraph. Uh, but uh, Paul believed in complete uh, sentences. Unfortunately, that argument did not work with my high school grammar teacher. Uh, I, that's a run on sentence. Well, no, Paul had one thought he was trying to put forth here and and that thought is uh, maybe a little bit more than difficult to put into, into words, because Paul used an awful lot of words to express the idea in this complete sentence here, verses 11 through 16, but this is truly how God plans to accomplish his work through his church. This is the overall program. We go back to uh, the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4 and it talks about walking worthy of the calling, of the vocation, wherewith ye are called. God has a plan. He has a design. Now, uh, contrary to popular thought and, and purpose-driven ideology, God did not implant his thoughts and his ideas in your heart, and then you get to realize them. Uh, contrary to positive thinking and Mr. Olsteen and others who went before him, uh, there's not some inner divinity inside of you that somehow just needs to be fanned into flame. Uh, Paul is very clear. He says, I want you to walk worthy of that vocation wherewith you're called. I want you to walk in the path that God has set before you. But I want you to understand one thing. A lot of ones. One body. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all. There is not a great amount of diversity in Paul's message here. In fact, uh, People have often accused those that follow the Bible as being mind-numbed robots. You you all look the same and talk the same and walk the same. Well, just a minute, as we get into our actual text verse, it says that we're to grow up into Him in all things. Uh, If we are truly following Jesus Christ, there ought to be a great deal of uniform behavior, appearance, speech, and pattern, shouldn't there? I mean, over the years, I've had many people, I'm just following Jesus. Well, if you were, then we'd be in total agreement. That's, That's what this passage is talking about here. This passage tells us that God has given certain individuals to the church to accomplish this work. This is the overall context of our verse. And these individuals come in four categories. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. Uh, the preacher and teacher is the same uh, category here. They have... Uh, uh, functions of preaching and teaching and oh, over the years have run into that in fact I was just leafing through a book and it says many pastors uh, forget that their ministry is teaching and then you read another book and it says uh, that uh, uh, preaching is the main thing and you sit there what's the what's the difference well here's the difference when you are preaching You ought to be teaching. And if you're teaching things from God's Word, you ought to care enough about what you're teaching to be preaching. It ought to be the same thing. There's two aspects. The idea of pastor comes from the word shepherd. And there's there's duties that the shepherd has to fulfill. He he has to lead the sheep. He has to water the sheep. He has to feed them. He has to protect them. Uh, there there's a lot of responsibility, and the Oriental shepherd is not the Western shepherd. I mean, uh, uh, how many of you love Lassie? I mean, uh, the dog that uh, uh, saved Hollywood and. and uh, Uh, that, those, that is the Western shepherd, is you have a good dog that bites and chases and growls and scares the sheep into doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's, that is our Western idea. The Eastern shepherd, the shepherd of the Bible, might have as many as a hundred sheep, and he knew every one of them by name. How many of you have ever seen somebody training their dog in New York City? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you. There, there, I saw a guy the other day holding that leash, and, and, and the dog was just sitting there as he was half choking the dog, and I'm sitting there, boy, what a, what a, uh, a poor... I, I feel sorry for the dogs, is what I feel sorry for. Dogs ought to be able to f- run free and enjoy themselves that's what that's what dogs are for but they'll sit there and they'll and, and make that dog sit and talk and they'll reward them when they do right and now uh i even saw some guy get right down in the face of the dog and slap him in the side of the head trying to get the dog dogs don't learn that way uh the only thing about you're going to get if you do that is your nose bit uh That is just... I mean, it is so sad. The oriental shepherd would have a hundred sheep. And he had such a relationship with each of his sheep that he could call them by name and they would follow him. Stop and think about that. How much time would you have to spend... With a sheep, for that sheep to learn you, to learn your voice, and want to willingly follow you. That does not reflect on the sheep as much as it does on the goodness and the character and the love of the shepherd, does it not? I mean, we need to understand something. The Bible uses this term as sheep uh, not to reflect on the sheep, because there's not much about sheep that is uh, what we would call bragging rights. Uh, they are not among the smartest of animals. Uh, they're not dolphins. They don't make little squeaking noises and communicate with each other. Uh, they're, they're sheep. Uh, they stink. They walk. Uh, a sheep will walk right off the edge of a cliff. That's how bright they are. It is the shepherd's job to protect them and keep them Sheep don't fight. They follow. That's what the word pastor means. Teacher is one who brings the truth. That's the job. And and there is a uh, goal here. The work that is supposed to happen in the church is this. The perfecting for, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Uh. How many of you are perfect here this morning? Anybody out there? I'd like to meet one. Uh, never have. You know why? Because there's work to do. We will always need the church. Because it is what helps us grow in Christ. I, uh, uh, I try to put it this way, but I don't know that it really conveys the thought. But the church is the context for your Christianity. Without the church, your Christianity does not match the Bible. It's got to be in, through, by, for. Everything we see, we go back, there's only one Lord, there's only one faith, there's one hope, there's uh, uh, one body, which is the local church that you belong to. And so as we move here, it says, the perfecting of the saints... Uh, The work of the ministry. Now, if you were here in in the Sunday school time, through the Bible time, uh, we were able to talk a little bit about the work of the ministry. The Home Missions Conference at Heartland Baptist Bible College starts Tuesday uh, morning. And uh, it is one of the great meetings that I have the privilege of representing Open Door Bible Baptist Church at. And uh, I want to thank you because the church has given exceeding i mean uh before brother brown came in our mission's offering we were just almost meeting our monthly commitment maybe sometimes and then we would catch up and it would get behind and uh it was it was uh a little discouraging and i want to tell you since the missions conference Our missions giving has been extraordinary. And uh, we can project, we don't have all of that right now, but I believe that it would not harm our missions budget at all to take $6,000 to the missions conference this week and give it to men starting churches in the United States. That's not my money. But you know what? If you want to give your pastor a Christmas present, Send me to Heartland and let me give away money at the Missions Conference. Uh, There there is nothing more fun than being able to say, we're going to help this preacher here. And you can watch it on the live stream uh, through the Heartland Baptist. I think it's heartlandbaptist.edu. And I'll tell you, be careful if you watch it through the live stream because you're going to be wanting to participate in the offerings and help those missionaries out and and uh it's just an extraordinary time the work of the ministry uh sometimes that work requires a hard hat and a package and a box of tools and and uh those of you that have been with us over the years we've certainly invested some time at the union baptist church and uh if you've been here long enough we've put a lot of time and work into this building and Guess what? Once they close the community, we'll be out there doing some work. We've already spent a day working out there. And why? Because ministry is serving the Lord. And if the building isn't in repair, Andrew was told me he said uh, the day they voted on buying the building, uh they had the, the motion passed and everybody was voting and it was raining and all of a sudden, rain just started dripping down the inside wall of the church in the auditorium, just running down the wall. And apparently what had happened at that most inopportune time was there was a bit of roofing material that had finally moved out of the way and the water just comes pouring in. right I mean, the devil just loves stuff like that. But uh, I'll tell you what, there's a man in Brother Saravia's church went out there and fixed it. And so, you see, those things distract from serving the Lord, from listening to the Word, the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, that just simply means we, we need to grow. And that's what our theme is for this year, is to grow in grace. And not only in grace, but in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the text that we're preaching about is verse 15 here. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, excuse me, there's a lot of time that we many times we come to the Bible and we see a phrase like that and, and we look at it and we say, oh yeah, that's just speaking the truth in love. I love you and you love me. No, that's Barney. I, I think the most annoying television show ever created, a, a purple dinosaur. Uh, tell me what, no, don't tell me what that's about. That's not speaking the truth in love. If you want to understand this verse, we've got to get through the context. You see, we have the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, and then we have a series of we's. Uh, Look at verse 13. Till we all come, talking about the members of that church, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there, there is a goalpost for us, there is a finish line for the Christian. Uh, this is the difference between false religion and true religion. False religion. Sets the finish line as salvation, as you get to get into heaven. Uh, no, that's the starting line in the Bible. The finish line is unity of the faith. And a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. You know, uh, read 1 Corinthians 13 later, but it'll tell you that knowledge does what? puffs up you ever met anybody really smart i'll tell you if you do they're going to tell you about um you know I, i i was the valedictorian of my senior class i i remember all of the effort it took me to get my college diploma and when I walked across the line, they gave me an empty folder because I had three more classes I needed to finish and pay my bill. And I got that done in the next several weeks. And I remember holding that paper in my hand. I I did it. I graduated. You know how many people have asked to see my diploma? And don't come up after church and say, Pastor, can I see your diploma? Because I'll know you're just patronizing me. And uh that's... It's just a piece of paper. You see, if what I do and what I say comes from the Bible, you don't need to see my diploma. Because the validation comes from the Word of God. Amen? And what we are trying to do here is to get a unity of faith and a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. So that... We can come to this perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ is the measuring rod. And when we stand up to him, what happens? We all fail. None of us make the mark. But he has given us this thing called growing. Growing in faith, growing in grace, growing in our service to the Lord. And then verse 14 is a warning. Okay, we're we're shooting for this unity of faith and unity of knowledge to be actually living a life, having a church that could be measured by the stature of Jesus Christ because the other alternative is to be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Oh, please, do yourself a favor. Stay off the internet. I know you don't feel the breeze blowing, but every wind of doctrine known to mankind blows through those wires. Or however you get... I get mine Wi-Fi. Okay, well, there's a lot of the air there. Amen? Uh, I don't care what you believe. You can find somebody on the Internet who agree with you. And if you don't, then you can start your own blog. And people will say, Oh, you're just the guy I'm looking for. Well, that's not what this is talking about. This is telling us that's not where we want to be. You see... There's a lot of things that will move you if you're not careful. Wind moves things. Normally, when wind moves things other than a sailing ship or something along those lines, it destroys them. When wind moves the wall of a house, that's not a good thing now, is it? When it moves the shingles off the roof, that's not a good thing. Uh... When wind moves the tide in and floods the area around, that's not a good thing. And we have people there that are are carried about with every wind of doctrine there. I remember I had a man years ago run down the aisle and say, Pastor Montoro, I know who the Antichrist is. And I'm sitting there going, No, you don't. Oh, yeah. And if I remember correctly, he said, It's Jerry Adams. Does anybody here even know who that guy was? He was one of the leaders in the Irish Republican Army. And I'm sitting here going, nobody is going to confuse a terrorist with Jesus Christ. The world is going to believe that Antichrist is Jesus. Uh, you are so far off base that this conversation shouldn't even be happening. And the Bible is very clear. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is removed from the earth. Because every believer in Christ will be pointing their finger and saying, that's the fake one. And the world is going to be given the opportunity that it has always sought to have its own God. After its own image and to have its own leadership and its own kingdom. But it's not going to last very long. And what will be there will not be good. You see, the winds of doctrine are uh, blowing and by the slight of men. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive someone had many people over the years have done a study there was one television preacher years ago that talked about having been uh, uh having uh, uh contacted blood poisoning because he laid over all of the letters that came to him and the ink absorbed through his skin and poisoned his blood and made him very sick As how many prayer requests he prayed and wept over and apparently, his tears mixed with the ink, and it saturated through his skin, and so somebody went to investigate his headquarters, and you know what they found? A trash can a dumpster out back full of prayer letters. I don't think he was laying in the dumpster, but this guy was taking the money out and throwing away the letters. The Bible calls that the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. If you refuse the truth that is in the Bible, this this is directly in contrast to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And we get to verse 15. This is exactly the opposite of speaking the truth in love. It tells us here that these uh, th- that these options that are out there, there are many who just want to take advantage and uh, I wish we had time this morning for the whole history of this thing, but many churches have promoted what is called the sacred society, uh, meaning that the government and the church must be in total unity working together so that every member of that society can be in perfect unity with the government. Uh, this is the history of medieval England and, and medieval Europe and, and, uh, why they did all of those horrible things in religious oppression is because they believed if their people didn't believe exactly the way they do, that they couldn't have a strong army. You know, I am so glad we live in the time when we do. America has so disproved that theory that it's even a joke to speak of it. I mean, uh, well, we don't have time this morning. We're going to need to keep moving here what does it mean to speak the truth in love it's not just standing by and telling each other that we love each other speaking the truth in love what did Jesus say to the disciples the night he was betrayed I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. So, speaking the truth is simply talking about Jesus. But, if we were to stop ten people on the sidewalk and ask them about Jesus... We'd probably get 12 or 13 different ideas of who Jesus was. If, if if we were able to have an honest conversation and and really examine them, we would find enough characteristics about the person that they called Jesus to know and be of a surety that they could not possibly be talking about the same person. If you met someone who believes the Bible, they would say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you meet someone who is of Islam, they would say, Jesus is the greatest prophet, but he is not God. And if you meet one of the friendly Jehovah's Witnesses, they would tell you uh, that Jesus is the greatest of all the created beings, but he is not God. Now, those things, if you talk to a Mormon, uh, Jesus is the half-brother of the devil uh, they, they had the same father just as a human father here on earth uh, produces children God produced children in heaven and his one wife produced Jesus and his other wife produced devil I tell you what that, those things cannot possibly any two of them cannot possibly agree with themselves And if you picked up a Jehovah's Witness and a a believer in Islam and said, well, you both agree that Jesus isn't the Son of God, and they'd say, well, that's the only thing we agree about. We don't agree about anything else. And so, if we're going to speak the truth in love, we first have to have a unified comprehension of what is truth and what isn't truth. Would you agree with me on that? That when verse 13, it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. uh, That faith and that knowledge, that that equals truth. And we're supposed to speak that truth in a, a a manner of which people will listen. Let's turn in our Bibles, keep your finger in Ephesians, we're coming back, but let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, of a verse, if you haven't memorized, you uh, ought to uh, put it, commit it to your memory. Verse 8, Jesus is speaking here, he says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, that truth that he's talking about is reflected in the earlier parts of Ephesians chapter 4, where it tells us that we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, because there's one body, one spirit, as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. This truth is the message of Jesus Christ. But there ought to be a unity and a biblical basis for that truth about Jesus which we speak. As often um, I will say and say over and over again, and please do not think I am purposely trying to be tedious, Uh, maybe I am trying to brainwash you just a little bit, I don't know, but I, I do want you to get this, this is the written word, Jesus is the living word. You can't separate those things. By the way, the body of Jesus Christ was given as the sacrifice to God for our sins on Calvary's cross. It was laid in the tomb and resurrected and yet the Bible tells me the local assembly of believers is the body of Christ. You can't separate those things. You cannot change that. You cannot modify the The body of Christ is not a universal invisible entity that you get to adapt any way you want. It belongs to Jesus. It is His body and we are to serve as members in that body. So if we're going to speak the truth in love we have to understand the truth that is in this book called the Bible we must know the written word and the living word we must have accepted the sacrifice of the body of Christ on, on Calvary's cross the resurrection at the tomb but we must serve him through the assembly of believers which is his body it is the only answer it is god's only plan and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to share the presence and the person of jesus christ with the world in which we live you cannot detach it from the bible i i've been told by different people well you have to be careful if that you're that you're not too offensive in your witnessing and telling about Jesus. Well, yes, we do have to be careful that we're not unnecessarily offensive, but taking the name Jesus out of our witnessing is offensive to Jesus. And if I'm going to have to choose who I'm going to offend, you lose because I don't want to offend the Christ who gave himself for me. Could we say amen to that? We're not going to separate the truth of Jesus from his body, which is the local church in which we assemble. We can't do that without violating principles of Scripture. We must follow him. We must speak the truth in love. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. Another passage that we go through and uh, will be going through until Jesus comes back. Look at verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. Here is the line of reasoning that John is using here, the, the lines of truth. He's saying... If you want to know if you love the children of God, you have to love God and keep His commandments because the love of God is keeping His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. You know, if, if getting up and just making it to church is one of the greatest struggles of your entire week, something that you just do not like doing, but you're going to because it's the right thing to do, uh, you got a love problem. You got a big love problem. Uh, I've met people and they say, well, Pastor, your yeah, church is all about money. We take one offering a week. Our church isn't about money. But I'll tell you what, I am so glad I can take the offerings of this church to the Home Missions Conference and share it among 30 or 40 different men all over this country trying to start churches. That is a blessing to them and to our church. That, that's a wonderful thing. But if you sit there and have something going on in your heart that you can't hardly write a check to serve the Lord or, or put that money in an envelope, you've got, a, you've got a love problem. If you can't serve God through His church... you've got a love problem. That's what this passage... If we're going to speak the truth in love, we've got to be willing to obey the words of this book because God said so. If you truly love another person, you don't have a problem doing things to please them. Now, do you? Because you want them... To be pleased with what you do. You see, if we're going to speak the truth in love, first of all, we have to have a unified understanding, a comprehension of what truth is and what truth isn't. We've got to be agreed. People argue about truth all the time. We're not here to argue about truth. We're here to agree on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God died on Calvary's cross, risen again the third day, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, that he established his church in his earthly ministry, and we are to serve him through that church. But it doesn't say just speaking the truth in love. It says speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth in love. Let me get back to Ephesians 4. I apologize here. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, we're supposed to speak the truth. The truth is the message of Jesus Christ according to the word of God. It is serving God through his church and we're to grow up. And the word there in your English, that preposition is "into him." Now, as I read that, my favorite thought is this: uh, more than once, praise the Lord, it's it's not happening so much anymore. But uh, I would be somewhere, and my wife would call me, "You got to come see this." Clomp, 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 clomp and one of my little children that had my work boots on, clomping through the house. And of course, they couldn't tie them up because the laces, even if they did tie them up, they'd fit around their waist better than they did their legs at that point. And, and, uh, And they're slopping all over the place, half tripping and just making a lot of noise and and uh, hopefully uh, uh, a couple of occasions I hadn't cleaned them as well as I should. And so there was little bits of debris following them everywhere they clomped through the house. And that got me in trouble. But uh, well, we'll get over it. But uh, several of my sons can't do that because their feet wouldn't fit into my boots anymore. You know what they did? They grew up. They oftentimes, uh, when we're picking clothes for little children, what do you say? Oh, they'll grow into it. Well, here's what this verse is talking about. We get to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. He's already dressed us. He's already given us That pattern of which we are to follow. Romans 8 29 says, For whom he did know, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I want to tell you something. When you get to heaven, if you're saved, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again the Bible way, when you get to heaven, you're going to be like Jesus. You're going to know the things that He knows. Your heart is going to be moved the way His heart. The Bible says that we will be one with Him. The same word it uses when it talks about a husband and a wife coming together in the bonds of Holy matrimony, it says all of us as believers are going to be one in Jesus Christ. Now that's what is going to happen in heaven, whether you like it or not. You will be conformed to the image of His Son. But if you want to enjoy the trip... If you want to make the most of the time that God has given you here on this planet. You need to speak the truth in love. You got to find out the truth first. And not vary from the truth. And then speak it in love. What is love? Love is obeying the commandments of God. And they're not grievous. It's not a problem for me to do what the Bible says, to be a part of his church. It says that we're to grow up into him. Uh, Shouldn't that mean a, a great deal of uniformity? If we're all growing up into Christ, if the Holy Spirit of God is living in us, shouldn't we fit into the same mold we might say hello if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ you see some of us got the idea that well I'm not going to be like everybody else I'm going to be my own kind of Christian that's not found in the Bible it's just not there that is worldly philosophy because what does the next phrase say It says here, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. And what's those next three words? Could you read them out loud with me? In all things. Let's try that again. May grow up into him. Here we go. In all things. Uh, Does that leave anything out? Do we have control of our own lives? Not if you've surrendered it to Christ, you don't. He's supposed to have control. And what does He do? If you remember a couple of years ago, was the, our theme was living stones. God took us and put us and He has designed us to fit together and be a spiritual building. You see, we are to grow up into Him... In all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're almost done. Ephesians 1.22 And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I I get so tired sometimes of hearing, oh, but we all serve the same God. No, we don't. The God of the Catholic Church is unknown to the pages of the Bible. They use the same name. But he has attributes and behavioral patterns that are in utter conflict with every page of this book called the Bible. The same is true of so many religions. But there is only one Christ. In fact, that's what the word Christ means the anointed one. The Hebrew word is the Messiah. Uh, the chosen one of God. Jesus is the only one. We read Philippians chapter 2. God says, I'm going to give him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You read First Corinthians chapter 15, and it tells us in those pages that God has set... Jesus to be the ruler of all things and that he is going to rule until everything is going to be put under his feet. What's the last enemy to be destroyed? Death. And when Jesus is over all, then Jesus is going to sit down and turn toward the Father and surrender to him his dominion that God may be all in all, See, we have the privilege, we have the duty, we have the opportunity to be a part to serve God in His church. Our theme for this year, and we're going to be expounding on this as we go through the year in many different ways. But speaking the truth in love. Love, the love of God is to obey His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. That's God's love. And if we're going to speak that truth in love, it means that our actions must line up with our words. Amen? There are things that are inseparable in the Bible. The written Word of God, the living Word of God, the body of Christ, which is the local church. We can't separate those things. The Bible won't allow it. If we're going to speak the truth in love, guess what's going to happen? Just like that little child clomping around in daddy's boots. All of a sudden, we're going to find out that we've got to unlace them to get our foot in. Because instead of just sliding around in this massive bottom of a shoe, now we've got enough foot to hold the shoe in place, we're growing up into Him, and you. Know what? It says in all things, that doesn't leave any part of your life out. God wants us to grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Read First Corinthians chapters 1 through 3. Paul talks about the debate that was going on in the church as different people claimed to be following Jesus and by following Peter, by following Paul, by following Apollos. And Paul had a very simple answer. Even the ones who said, we be followers of Christ, he said, none of you are doing it. You know why? Because you're fighting with each other and that's not what it's about you're supposed to serve in willing obedience to the God of this book called the Bible. That's how we do it. And when we do, when we speak the truth in love, we grow up into Him. And we prepare ourselves for eternity. And all God's people said, Let's pray.